What's new, culturalists? This time around, we're going to switch it up for you. Taking a whole year's worth of drops and putting them under the microscope for our newly minted hashtag 90s mixtape series. No, not that mixtape. Just follow me with this one. We hope you're familiar with 1996, but if not, let's get you caught up on what made this one of hip-hop's most pivotal years. The mid-90s was arguably the genre's most balanced with East, West, Southern, and Midwestern sounds all establishing themselves. In addition to varying regional production styles, several sub-genres of hip-hop were thriving. This set of is just a sample of the music's richness and depth throughout. Subscribe if you haven't already, join the discussion down in the comments, and hit that super thanks button to keep the content flowing. Let's get to it. Number 10, De La Soul, Stakes is High. Lucky for hip hop heads worldwide, De La Soul's catalog just hit streaming services not too long ago, allowing a whole new era of listeners to check out one of hip hop's most pivotal acts. As evidenced by the dark and grainy cover, shifting production styles, and its ominous title, Stakes is High is a stark change in the group's upbeat and positive output that led up to it. Primarily due to the departure of Prince Paul, the group's fourth studio album caught fans and critics alike off guard. Despite our critical nature, we're pretty easy to please. Give us a well-placed common feature on the business, an early most deaf verse on Big Brother Beat, and Diller production on the title track, and we're like kids in the candy store. The album's 18 tracks can definitely feel prolonged, in addition to the group's flow sounding a bit dated, but Stakes is High stands above the albums that failed to make this list because of its blend of hip-hop purism and foresight. When comparing De La to the rest of the native tongues, we think they stand alone in their ability to adapt to the sounds and events of the time. That's not to say they made better music than Tribe or Queen Latifah per se, but the audible difference between where they started and ended up was the most prolific. After a decade of sample disputes and contractual loopholes, it was finally announced in January of 23 that the group's back catalog would be added to streaming services. Unfortunately, just weeks before they would see the fruits of their labor, True Goy the Dove passed unexpectedly. Rest in peace to the pioneer and make sure you give their discography a deep dive since it's easier than ever now. Number nine, Little Kim, Hardcore. There's not much more to say about Little Kim's scorcher of a debut. Raunchy, yes. One of the most influential albums in the genre's history, definitely. While we have reservations about Kim's mirroring of Big, she isn't the only one. With the exception of Jay-Z, we don't think anyone did it better either. Make no mistake, Kim's album title is very fitting as Hardcore reimagined what was and wasn't acceptable from the ladies in hip hop. Even with her generous use of Big's flow and delivery, Kimberly Denise Jones had too much charm for it not to break through the surface. Songs like Big Mama Thing, Drugs, and Queen Bitch see the 20-something MC carving out her own space unapologetically. With the former containing disses toward Faith Evans and Tupac, the final vocals would omit any shots at the two, instead being replaced with the whole verse and re-recorded vocals from Kim, respectively. Since its release, the album has been universally regarded as a classic, enjoying immense commercial success. Hardcore occupies one of the most perplexing spots in hip-hop, being both immeasurably in influenced and influential. So while we would otherwise argue for it to climb a spot or two higher on the list, we think everything that follows it is either a better quality album, more innovative, or a combination of the two. Let us know down in the comments what comes to mind first when you think of the Queen Bee. Number eight, the Fugees, the score. Fuji La was in full effect when Lauren, Wyclef, and Prize emerged onto the scene with the score. Blunted on reality, the group's debut studio album was solid, but didn't make the waves the group knew they were capable of. Fast forward two years and we get what we didn't know at the time would be the the group's final album unless 
Nah, we knew that was it. But if you were going to call it quits, go out with a bang. Ready or not, Killing Me Softly with his song and Fuji La would all help the album top the Billboard 200, becoming the third best-selling album of 96. And let's keep it 100, Lauren clearly stole the show here. Not to discredit Wyclef and Praza's contributions, but without fail, Miss Hill would consistently claim the best verse on every song through her melodic delivery, unorthodox lyricism, and soulful charm. The record would earn them a Grammy for Best Rap Album, along with another one for Best R&B Performance by a duo or group for Killing Me Softly, a feat you don't see every day. Over seven times platinum and still the best-selling album by a hip-hop group of all time, Outkast is a duo, not a group, you're probably wondering why we have it so low on the list. Honestly, it's a combination of factors, mainly the album's top-heavy nature and sizable portion of sampled or covered material. Quite frankly, when Lauren isn't on the mic, our ears tune out more often than not. And while we think they killed it with songs like Ready or Not, Killing Me Softly, and No Woman Cry, the former leans heavily on the dramatic song of the same name they sampled and the latter two are outright covers. 96 was one of hip-hop's most dense, versatile, and memorable years, and while we have to give credit where it's due, we think the albums from this point on make a stronger point of showing and proving their classic status. Number seven, UGK, Riding Dirty. Pimp and Bun really put on for the candy paint slab pushes with this one. Already two albums in, the Underground Kings went for broke on their classic Riding Dirty. Despite no singles or music videos to accompany the project, Riding Dirty will become the group's critical and commercial high point. Slappers like One Day, Murder and Diamonds in Wood serve as a precursor to the chopped and screwed sound that would soon dominate airwaves across the country. N.O. Joe and Pimp C fill out the producer credits with Sergio Lacen 3 in the morning and 3-2 securing co-production on one day. Over the years, we've seen UGK getting their flowers from artists like Drake, Big Crit, and Kodak, rightfully so. But when you take a retrospective look at everything they've accomplished, you start to see how insanely underappreciated they are. Their third studio album is influenced at its peak while still being inventive and characteristic of what made the South unique. The flows on this joint were well ahead of their time, not to mention the chemistry between Bun's out-of-this-world lyricism and Pimp C's exorbitant personality over these country rap tunes. Riding Dirty would initially receive very little national attention before its acclaim broke through regional barriers and put the whole game on notice, even getting praise from Tupac after fellow Houston rapper Scarface put him onto the album. Another five years would pass before Pimp and Bun released another project, but that's the kind of cushion you get when you drop an album like Riding Dirty. We just wish they had tapped Scarface for a verse, because his vocals on one day or three in the morning would have been legendary. Number six, The Roots, Illadelph Half-Life. If you put a gun to our head, forcing us to pick one record that truly captures the best qualities of the group's 96 LP, it would be The Hypnotic. With backing vocals from D'Angelo, fresh off Brown Sugar, their neo-soul-infused live instrumentation and storytelling is so immersive, Toni Morrison would be impressed. These are just prerequisites when looking at The Roots' consistent and cohesive body of work. This joint has features from Common, Q-Tip, Bahamadia, and Cassandra Wilson, and among others. Do we need to keep going? Released to universal acclaim, Illadelph would make many year-end lists, which would cement their competitive back and forth with another group in this ranking, no spoilers. On Universe at War, Common Tariq trade verses like a Rocky montage. What they do sees the group getting the melodic assist from Rafael Sadiq. But No Alibi is our pick from the album's strongest lyrical showcase. Fun fact for our sample junkies, Clones has a dope flip on Summer in the City by Quincy Jones. This track would also be used in songs like Passing Me By by Farside and set it off by main source. Astute fans with hard copies of Illadelph Half-Life may notice something strange with the track listing. From their debut album Organics to their most recent and Then You Shot Your Cousin, they've told a continuous story with the track list to match. Due to an unfortunate fire at Universal Studios back in 2008, the master tapes for this album were lost. Luckily, we live in a digital age where Quest, Thought, and the rest of the collective's musical genius can be studied indefinitely. Be sure to check out Our Roots Ranking if you haven't already. Easily one of hip-hop's most underappreciated catalogs. 
Number five, Nas, it was written. Nas's sophomore album following his masterful intro with Illmatic was largely overlooked upon its arrival. We know how hard it can be to divorce expectations from reality, but the truth is that nothing Nas dropped would have satisfied us following what many consider to be the greatest hip hop album of all time. It was written doesn't have an array of iconic producers its predecessor had, but with that trade-off came his most descriptive and in-depth storytelling to date. Suspect, I give you power, and shootouts are all fully fleshed out movie scripts waiting to be cast, character development and all. After pursuing a more polished sound and style on the follow-up, Nas would have to fend off accusations of selling out and biting other rappers' style. While we can hear inspiration throughout the project, we can confidently say only Nas could have executed on this level bar none. He already came into the game with the mastery and understanding that only Biggie could compete with. But even Big wasn't the storyteller nasty Nas proved himself to be. It Was Written would be Nas's first album to top the charts while selling 270,000 copies its first week. Sitting at triple platinum, the album remains his most commercially successful project. We don't know if it was the fallout from pursuing a different sound or chasing that initial high, but Nas would spend the next five years recreating Illmatic to varying levels of disappointment. His sophomore record would see the first appearance from the short-lived supergroup The Firm. On a side note, with the backlash that Nas is coming received for being underwhelming, what made Nas and Dre think to roll out a whole album? We think The Firm could have enjoyed a longer window of success had they stuck with a producer more closely tied in with that gritty New York sound. In the years since its initial reception, It Was Written has secured consensus classic status. The only change we would have made is the order in which these albums were released. Illmatic set the bar so high out the gate that it's a testament for Nas to still be on the Mount Rushmore of hip hop despite not dropping a comparable project in the 30 years followed. Number four, Machiavelli the Don Columinati Seven Day Theory. Don't let the pseudonym fool you. Machiavelli is arguably Pac at his peak. Dropping nearly two months after his untimely death, Don Columinati parallels Shakur's perceived isolation and persecution. These were the themes that he had frequently touched on across Me Against the World and All Eyes on Me, adding more unease and paranoia. It wasn't all foreboding and over the shoulder glances though. Songs like To Live and Die in LA, Hold Your Head, and Against All Odds remind listeners that Pac was only 25 years young, navigating as a pop culture and political figure. Immortalized in the hearts of hip-hop fans across the globe, Seven Day Theory combines the close-knit nature of Me Against the World with the career-defining album cuts of All Eyes On Me. Throughout the album, he addresses his various feuds, coming to terms with his inevitable demise, and future ambitions to overhaul the systematically hostile institutions that antagonized him all his life. Don Columinati feels like that TV show that was just hitting its stride when it got canceled out of nowhere. We were torn on which of the two albums would get the higher spot, but ultimately couldn't deny the whole album's worth of classic songs within All Eyes On Me. Still, it speaks volumes that despite the name change, Tupac was able to drop two of the best albums in the year when hip-hop was going through one of its most competitive periods. If we're comparing rappers and athletes here, we think it's fair to say Pac had a Mamba-esque work ethic, as not many rappers mimicked his time in the studio. Did we mention that Seven Day Theory was recorded in only three days? It took four days to mix and master, thus the name. That's insane. Before we jump into the top three, it's honorable mention time. These are the dope projects that also released that just barely missed our top 10. Shout out to Buster's The Coming, Ghostface's Iron Man, and Red Man's Muddy Waters. All fire albums, but this year was insane and only 10 can make it. So if you thought any of those were in the top three, not today. Here's what we did have though. 
Check it out. Number three, All Eyes On Me. The most bountiful album in one of rap's most prolific catalogs, All Eyes On Me challenges everything we know about Double Disc. From its artwork to the ear-grabbing classics dispersed throughout, Pac's last record doubles as his most notable. One of the most difficult things about ranking an artist like Pac is drawing the line between applauding greatness and acknowledging posthumous bias. We think the album is split right down the middle with half of the album being some of the most impactful songs of the 90s and the other half having the outlaws on it. <laughs> All jokes aside, Pac's prolific run was made only possible by his control the spotlight while you have it approach to recording. Notoriously recording multiple tracks in a day, Shakur would lay down his vocals and immediately move on to the next song, letting producers take the reins and iron out the kinks in post-production. While this one-track mindedness allowed him to put out a lifetime's worth of music and movies in a four-year span, it also removed a lot of creativity and uniqueness from the finished products. With nearly 30 songs and just over a dozen producers, it's natural that large portions of the album would sound the same. It also doesn't help that this period of his recordings would comprise the majority of all his released music both during and after his lifetime. Shout out to one of the game's greatest who had the stroke of genius to put Life Goes On and two of America's most wanted on the same album. Drop a line in the comments and settle the debate now. Which is the better double disc? This or Biggie's Life After Death? And yes, we're working on that double disc album list too. Number two, Jay-Z, Reasonable Doubt. Catching fire later than most, the 26-year-old rookie put up numbers similar to MJ coming out of UNC. Jay's polished and seasoned approach to Reasonable Doubt made it clear he wasn't interested in being mediocre. We get some career staples like Dead Presidents 2 and The Evils, in addition to gems like Brooklyn's Finest and Can I Live. While the album serves as a masterclass in storytelling, we can't say that it holds up as well musically. Don't shoot the messenger. Hove at this point in his career wasn't great at multitasking. So while he could excel in an area like storytelling, he struggled with the trend-setting artistry he would later embody. A lot of ground was covered on this project. Friendly competitions would often break out in the studio to see who was the best, resulting in Jigga trying to outrap Big and similar versions of Politics as Usual being produced by both Ski and Clark Kent. Critics have often praised this album for its lack of crossover ambitions. While we certainly applaud his authentic love for the art form, we would have wanted to hear Jay break out of the formulaic structure albums had at the time. Jigga's debut is certainly deserving of its own course at an accredited college near you, but it's not as innovative and versatile as the number one pick on this list. Essentially, we believe the difference in the top two albums on our list come down to creative control. One being an artist's debut shaped by the expectations of record execs, and the other removing all restraints on some of the most creative minds music has to offer. Number one, Outkast, AT Aliens. The South did indeed have something to say. Following their subtle yet impactful platinum debut, Southern Playalistic Cadillac Music, LaFace Records took the reins off, giving the duo the green light to share their true vision. This enabled creative control would lead to one of the most prominent leaps in music and artistry the genre has ever heard. Andre and Big Boy saw immense critical and commercial success with this rollout, debuting at number two with close to 350,000 copies sold in its first two weeks. The cosmic sounds and imagery the duo would implement made them truly stand out as outcasts. Despite this era of the 90s being heavily saturated with alternative acts like the Fugees, A Tribe Called Quest, and De La Soul. We see outcasts getting major production credits on heavy hitters such as the title cut, Over the Woods, and Elevators. But being from the South, you know you've got to highlight the organized noise team. They hooked up two dope boys, Jazzy Bell, Babylon, and Man Mainstream. The real beauty behind the album lies in the chemistry between cast and noise. The sound is cohesive without becoming stagnant, which is a very hard needle of thread. 96 was a high point for music both in quality and quantity, yet somehow Three Stacks and Big Boy floated to the top with creative flows and delivery, eccentric personalities, and innovation at every turn. With the album's impact reaching artists like Isaiah Rashad, Wiz Khalifa, and Dom Kennedy, it's hard not to find traces of cast's flow and style in today's soundscape. We acknowledge that it might not be as impactful as 
a reasonable doubt or as prolific as an all eyes on me but across the board we think this album combines the best traits of what compromises a hip-hop album better than any other on this list quite literally at aliens has reshaped everyone's understanding of what southern hip-hop could encompass culturalists we need your feedback on this one let us know down in the comments if we should make the yearly ranking a reoccurring entry within the hashtag 90s mixtape series also we have ranking videos on many of these artists highlighted so please make sure to like subscribe and smash that super thanks button in whatever order works for you search the channel for episodes of your favorite artists and tune in the next time as we inch closer to that 10k once again it's your man cj williams signing off for the culture peace